It is time for another Amateurs Fantasy Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs. Uh, no Ryan again today, but we're here with irregular Rob. Rob, mate, you're uh, becoming a lot more regular. Maybe maybe we need to change it to irregular Ryan. Yeah, I'm not sure he deserves that yet. Um, but no, it's it's been good to be a step up when he couldn't make it. So um, no, happy to be here again. Yeah, so obviously, uh, you know, we, we we like to keep the podcast to uh, a, a concise three number. And, uh, you know, Rob, you've been performing recently, but uh, our guest that we have on today's episode is, uh, you know, he's clearly booted someone off and uh, we've actually got Brian, the NRL physio, with us today. So, Brian, mate, uh, you know, do you feel bad for Ryan for kicking him off the podcast? Oh, look, I, I always... Uh... Don't want to rob anyone of you know Ryan's supreme knowledge, but uh, hopefully mm. I can uh, fill his boots. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we we like to get an expert on occasionally. It'd be a nice change to listen to somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. So we've actually had a bit of a fortuitous, well, you know, fortuitous for us, not so much for him today with a a, to- a topical injury with Joey Manu copping an injury at training. Um, my understanding, Brian, is this is a uh, a repeat of his, uh, you know, similar to what happened with him with Latrell a while back? Yeah, well, the Roosters in classic form, I'm actually surprised they even said anything because they still haven't said anything about uh, Connor Watson, uh, who suffered an injury about four weeks ago. But uh, they just said Manu is out of the All-Stars uh, with a minor facial fracture. So he did have that fracture yeah, um, just over, well, 12, 18 months ago. Uh, they haven't said whether it's the same, you know, spot, same side, all that kind of stuff. The fact they said minor is good. That's usually, you know, usually you're going to see guys come back in three to four weeks with a minor fracture. So provided that the the usually uh, smoke and mirrors Sydney Roosters are telling us the truth, then he still should be right for, for round one. Yeah, uh, Rob, Rob, I mean, Fantasy Impacts, uh, we're noted Manu uh, opposite truthers for round one. And, you know, sometimes I think you just need to listen to the fantasy gods with these. They're really trying to convince people not to buy him, mate. Is that that the way you see this as a sign from the fantasy gods? Yeah, it's one of those ones, uh, Brian, cards on the table, we play NRL Fantasy, and I know a lot of your stats and your um, player profiles are super coach relevant. And look, um, Manu might be more of a buy in super coach, I'm not sure. But certainly in fantasy, we think he's um, overinflated in terms of price based on... um, He's basically priced at his absolute ceiling for how well he did last year. So this certainly seems like one of those ones where... um, maybe we don't start with them now, even if we were going to anyway, and we, um, yeah, let that facial fracture heal. Yeah, no, great. I mean, I, obviously he's he probably is going to be back for round one. Um, Brian, just before we move on, is there some sort of a thing where this might, you know, have some sort of a, a mental impact? I think when we spoke last time, you were saying you were a, a student of the game in terms of your potential mental impact of it. Uh, is this something where you might see him, you know, shy away from contact or stuff while he's feeling confident with it? Or you think he's just more of a balls to the wall type of guy? If it's, if it's only minor, you wouldn't really. It's more those major ones where guys, you know, like the one he suffered last time, where the face just gets absolutely pummeled, um, you know, all over the shop, like something like that. 
is probably going to have a, you know, pretty significant mental impact on most guys. Something minor like that, like he could have just, you know, got nudged at training, a little bit of a cheek clash or something like that, and there's a little crack. So unless there's any demons sort of left over from the Latrell tackle, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, for me personally, I think if I had any sort of fracture in my face whatsoever, I wouldn't be wanting anyone to call it minor, but I guess these guys are built a little bit differently to me. Um, The next one here that we've got uh, is another injury that I guess we'd call minor in the sense that, you know, from a fan's perspective, you don't really see it until you drill down into the numbers. And that's that, you know, rib cartilage injury that two extremely fantasy relevant guys in Joe Tarpanay and Tyson Frizzell suffered from last year. Um, that's more of a pain management thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So very, like, unless there's a fracture, you know, potentially if you get hit in the ribs again, you can fracture it further. But, yeah, much more a pain management thing and, and, and massive for forwards in terms of, like, performance and stuff like that can really limit them on their return. So if you have a look at guys, and I've got a lot of stuff over on Patreon with past stats and stuff like that about guys, especially forwards who have come back and seen a drop. So whenever you see that in a forward, uh, it gives you an opportunity either, um, you know, during the season, if you see your forward suffer a rib cartilage injury, I'm more likely to sell them if I'm sort of on the fence. And then in these kind of cases, you know, coming into the next season, it's looking back at the performance of those guys from the previous season and going, well, maybe they were a bit down because of playing through a rib cartilage injury. So I think Tapanay in particular is a really good uh, buy for even though he is, and I'm sure it's the same in fantasy as it is in Supercoach, he is right up there in terms of price, but I think he can be even better. Yeah, well, I mean, in fantasy, he's about 120K cheaper than Cam Murray still. So... He's, uh, you know, he was an elite performer last year with a couple of games with reduced minutes, which, you know, we diligently picked up by following your content, uh, which has obviously been important. The one with Frizzell as well is important because he went off early where normally he's an 80-minute back rower every week. He had a couple of games where he went off. Do you just would have been think it would have been as simple as, hey, you know, let's not risk it and he's in too much pain to keep going and we'll get you back up for next week type of thing? Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, so you just cop a blow in the wrong spot and it's super painful. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. So, yeah, and no long, long-term long worries for, for this year. No. Obviously, that's plenty of time to heal. Yeah, heaps, heaps. Yeah, cool. All right. Now, we've got a big list of dudes here with varying shoulder injuries. Uh, so two Broncos, Xavier – actually, three Broncos in Xavier Willison, Katoni Staggs, but that was obviously from the year before – uh, and Payne Haas, who obviously suffered through there. Um, then Cam Murray, Talakai, who played through shoulder injuries last year, same with uh, – and obviously Liam Martin's just picked one up. So um, do we do we know that Talakai, was that an AC as well or do, was that something different? No, so that was a, a, a shoulder joint issue. Um, so, yeah, with all these shoulder – issues the ac joint ones are the ones that don't concern me as much going into this season like someone like Haas should be completely over those issues because his were ac joint issues um so there's prospects for him improving because he played through those ac joint issues so ac joint issues are very similar to the ribs so everything that i've just said about the ribs pretty much cross that over to an ac joint issue so if a player plays through that their performance usually diminishes um so someone like Haas is a good opportunity 
your likes of so we got Willis and Staggs, uh, Murray, uh, Talakai, and Hetherington, Jack Hetherington from Newcastle. They all had varying sort of uh, surgeries or issues with the shoulder joint itself. Um, that's something that you worry more about, sort of re injury risk down the track. You know, is there instability there? Um, it tends to affect forwards more than backs because backs don't make as many tackles. Um, so someone like Willison coming off a shoulder reco. At the same time, Stags, like I'd, I'd think it would affect Willison more than Stags. Murray hasn't required follow-up surgery, um, but it's just that that sort of lingering, is there a bit of instability there because he required surgery during the season? Talakai is probably the one that I'm most worried about moving forward purely because we haven't heard that he got surgery. And there was actually an interview last year where he said he had um, joint cartilage damage and sort of capsular damage around the joint. So, look, you can, and there's a lot of guys playing with that anyway, but, I mean, anybody who watched last year saw, um, you know, the back end of Talakai season, how that really nosedived in terms of his performance. So yeah. if he hasn't gone in and gotten that fixed up, he's obviously had the off-season to kind of strengthen it up and stuff like that, but the evidence tells us that the risk of aggravation is still quite high if surgery doesn't occur. Um, So yeah, he's probably the one that I'm not really looking to jump in on all that much, but the other guys like Hetherington, he had his surgery ages ago. Like it was almost like the start of last season. He was a chance to come back at the end of last season. So not really worried about him. Um, A little bit of a discount on Murray, Uh, but yeah, definitely Talakai is the one that I would just be avoiding. Yeah. No, that's good because, I mean, Talakai was one I was actually kind of interested in him for people looking for a, a top price centre in our game. Uh, obviously, he was a lot more explosive in the front end um, and not so much in the back end, but I wonder if that was more defences preparing for him in addition to that. Plus, you know, when no guarantees the shoulder's going to be fixed. Probably one to wait and see and have a look for the rest of the season and um, and, and sort of come back to it at the business end, don't you think, Rob? Absolutely, I think, and and maybe someone you can pick up in a draft format or something like that. But um, yeah, interesting to hear you say the difference between forwards and backs as well on that. Um, and that makes sense because you're tackling a lot more using your shoulders. So, mate, mm. excellent. Did you, um, Brian? Did you pick up that article? Did you see the article from Stags? Him talking about how he was sort of shying away from contact and and not really putting a hundred percent in following that uh, shoulder issue. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that was something I um, covered pretty extensively with him sort of last season um, and then moving into this year. Like, he obviously, I mean, the Broncos came out and said it was just a bruised shoulder, which the way that he performed post-origin, it was clearly a bit more than that. It came out that, yes, it was a labrum issue, which is your cartilage in your shoulder. More when I talk about it's more concerning for backs, uh, sorry, for forwards and backs, it's more coming off a reconstruction. If they actually try and play through a shoulder injury like that, it, it affects them all relatively similarly um, purely because they're playing through pain. Um, it's st- I still would, like, you know, if a, sh- if a forward is trying to play through, I'd probably discount them more, but it still does affect both short- forwards and backs. But, yeah, it's more coming off a shoulder eco. You pretty much always see forwards that first sort of four weeks of the season take a little bit of time. Yeah. So all this sort of stuff on your Patreon, we might we- take it, and insert it into the middle here. Um, on your Patreon, you do this sort of week-to-week live updates of of this sort of stuff and, and talk about it as it happens? 
Yeah, well, effectively, what I do is I'll I'll do a uh, a casualty ward. I call it the best casualty ward on the internet. I like to think for NRL purely because all the other casualty wards pretty much don't say much. <laughs> um, but yeah, effectively, like you know, when Stags hurts his shoulder, I'll put Stags shoulder, put his expected recovery time, but then I'll have an analysis part. So it's pretty much like my tweets, but much more in depth. So the tweets are just base stuff. Like you know, I think my tweet for Stags at the time would have been like. You know, um, Broncos said it's a bruise, you know, should be fine for next week. And that's what I give. But then over on Patreon, it's like, well, it's probably more than a bruise um, and it's probably going to affect his performance and blah, 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 and sort of cover more that in-depth side of things so you can start to predict what their performance is going to be like moving forward. Yeah, great. All right. Well, that's really valuable stuff. So what's the actual, the URL or, you know, how would you find the Patreon if, you know, someone's listening to this and wants to get involved and what does that sort of cost? Yeah, so patreon.com slash NRL physio. Uh, it's five bucks a month. Um, at the moment, it's probably the best time to jump on and give it a try because you get, if you sign up uh, this month or next month, you get the injury profiles, which is 250 profiles. If you go to my pages i've been posting sort of snippets of them so far but pretty Mm. much all this stuff that we're talking about now probably in even greater detail on every player who has an injury sort of consideration going into this season Uh, it's over twenty seven thousand words i think you know over 100 pages so it pretty much covers every injury you can think of what i think of that player going into this season um yeah so you get all that for five bucks you know you can sign up see what it's like um and then if you like it great stay on for the season if not you've at least got the injury profiles out of it and away you go yeah i know rob i know you've been going to sleep reading those injury profiles every night you know you've been you printed them out and put them next to your bed yeah they're excellent i actually didn't know you could you you got them free with the patreon but um it's good to know i just bought them separately which obviously people can do um but patreon let me know and i'll refund you first month sorry about oh thanks mate no that's that's great um but they are truly excellent like uh what a great resource um yeah, I, I just really like seeing the history of players' injuries because you don't often get that. You you know, you might say Jordan Rickey's had rib cartilage last year, but then going back to twenty twenty one, seeing that he had shoulder issues, and then yeah, it's it's just it's just a really good really good product. So yeah, you should be proud of that. Well done, mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah, the um the definitely the collating of the injury histories is the hardest part. You know, the the actual writing the analysis comes pretty naturally to me, but it's all the you know keeping on top of all the history stuff, which is the hard stuff. But as you say, it's um it's probably the as much as my I like to think my analysis is valuable. It's more I think yeah, just knowing sort of what that player has had in the last couple of years, which is valuable too. Yeah. Hundred percent. Moving across to a, you know, we're moving on from the shoulder. We're move, make, working our way down the body. Uh, I would imagine, you know, when we spoke earlier about the, you know, forwards being impacted more by the shoulder injuries, is that a, you know, a corollary that the outside backs are affected more by the ACL injuries? Definitely. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So your outside backs, explosive change of direction. Outside backs are a hundred percent the ones, you know outside backs halves, those kind of guys, they're the ones I worry about more coming off ACLs. And, I mean, we've got quite a few guys here. Um, So you're looking at, like, your Tommy Talau, um, Harley Smith Shields, 
uh, yeah, like the, they're probably the two who coming off theirs, you would usually worry about them a little bit more considering, you know, that's their, like they get a lot in their game and a lot of their value is in that explosive change of direction, jumping, landing, all that kind of stuff. I think the only thing with both of those is the fact that uh, Talao's now, God, he'll be 18 months plus post ACL reconstruction because the Tigers just decided to ride off the second half of last season and kind of just not play him, even though he was fit and ready to go. So he should actually be pretty good. And I imagine he's probably pretty cheap in fantasy maybe because I think he is in bottom bottom dollar. Yeah, there you go. So I think he, if he starts, it's just not even a consideration. I think you just lock him in. Smith Shields, I don't think he's probably looking at a Raiders sort of starting spot. The one thing I will say about the forwards, like we've got a couple of edge forwards here. So like Hylam Lukey, Sean Bloor, uh, Tupanua, and uh, Lawton, Carl Lawton, sort of coming off their ACLs. Look, like Lawton probably less so. He's more of a workhorse. But those other guys, they like a bit of change direction too, you know, hitting holes and powerful leg drive and that kind of thing. They like that change direction on those lines. So I would, I would think that those three – probably of the three Bloors, probably the best placed purely because he once again suffered his in like January, February last year. So he's got a long mm. time to recover. Whereas like your Lukey and Tupanua, they're probably going to come back right on nine months post-surgery. So you expect at least a little bit of a build-up, both in performance but also in minutes. It's more than likely that they get fed back either through um, reserve grade, Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup, or by the bench. Um, Hodgson, I'm not overly concerned with him. Um, he's a you know he's a hooker. Uh, he's behind a good eels pack, and his game isn't that reliant. I mean, you know, like we don't look at Josh Hodgson and think, oh my god, he's gonna you know make 20 <laughs> runs a game and change direction and blah blah blah. Like uh, to be honest with you, he came back from his ACL last time and absolutely lit it up because he just kind of saunters out a dummy half and then puts on a pass or puts on a kick. That's sort of how he get and, and makes his tackles. So I, I'm pretty much valuing Hodgson um, more on is there another hooker on the bench or not. I wouldn't really be baking any sort of consideration to his ACL injury, bar his ring injury risk. I think Hodgson, that's his third ACL um, rupture now. So there's oh. a – yeah, it's, it's p- over 30% of NRL players who suffer three ACL injuries go on to suffer a fourth – so, yeah, the right. odds are sneaking up to being not in his favour. Um, mm. But, yeah, so I, I think outside backs, more performance. Um, forwards, you're probably more looking at edge forwards are the ones that you have to be more a little bit more concerned about. Middle forwards, I'm not really all that fussed on. Uh, but, yeah, with the likes of Hodgson, performance-wise should be fine, but it's more re-injury risk. Yep, cool. Uh, I think that 30%... Uh, re-injury risk, I think that's what we call the Slade-Griffin quotient, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And that's a perfect example, right? Like Slade-Griffin, yeah. Tao Moga, you know, like there's there's Kyle Stanley. There's just that many who you list and they're like, yeah, they've gone from three to four and that's why it's so high. Yep. Um, saying with the knee, obviously uh, got some information. Jack Bird, who apparently was the preferred number six over Jaden Sullivan following the uh, – Silly business by Telltale Moan. Uh, Jack Bird has a meniscus injury only, I think, which what's that, like four to six weeks, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So he'll be touch and go. I think they've got the buy round one, so it'll be round two. Mm. So he'll still be a little bit touch and go for round two. 
just because I think it's four weeks till round one now, so five weeks to round two. He seems pretty confident that he'll be there. I guess the main concern there is the fact that um, he's had those past ACL injuries and then your meniscus sort of is very closely tied in with the ACL. You you start to talk about um, early on, risk of early onset osteoarthritis and those kind of things. So it's unlikely to be something that will affect him this year, but more – you know, if I'm if I'm sitting there with uh, like looking at Jack Bird in two years' time or something like that, I'm probably going, oh, he's got a pretty significant history. You know, is is his knee starting to wear down a little bit? That kind of thing. So yeah, probably not a massive thing for this year, but more moving forward into the future. Yeah, that was definitely uh, one of the things they spoke to me about with mine was because I had the three meniscus tears when I did my ACL as well and. It was sort of the the arthritis was a an issue, so I can imagine it when you're actually an athlete that that would only make that worse, worse not better. Right. <laughs> uh, so Connor Watson, obviously, we have no idea what's wrong with him, but we think it's a patella tendon injury. Um, now, the patella tendon is that the one on the front? Uh, so your kneecap directly under your kneecap, so it connects your kneecap yeah. to your lower leg bone, pretty much. Um, okay. Look, he has been on social media rolling around in a wheelchair in a straight leg brace. Um, so yeah, like a little bit concerning for like a moderate to high grade tear, potentially like I would say it's more than likely he's had surgery, but that hasn't been confirmed, but yeah, he's looking at at least sort of a month out of the season, but potentially the entire season. Uh, so yeah, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what the roosters, when the roosters come back to us with any information. Yep. And what good, good. This, it's not super fantasy relevant either. Really, short of you know how many minutes are going to get stolen from cheese in the in the short term. But um, something that is a lot more fantasy relevant is Ryan Pappenhausen's patella fracture. Uh, now, when this happened, I thought he just got like a cork or something like that, and I was telling him to harden up and get back on the field uh, until the X-rays come out the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he'd been in a car accident. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, that's one of the more severe, significant injuries you're going to see on a footy field. Like, you know, we talk about ACLs and and stuff like that. But, you know, we spoke about Joey Manu earlier with his facial fracture, like those kind of injuries. They happen once every so often and, yeah, they're just terrific. So, yeah, I guess Pappy, it's a bit up in the air at the moment. Um, I think even for Melbourne, sort of they started out, saying that they're expecting around that three-month recovery rate, which would have had him fit by Christmas. Um, the usual range for these kind of injuries is three to six months, and it's about six months now, and he still hasn't started running. Uh, so it's it's definitely taking a lot longer probably than they had hoped um, and that, you know, the general recovery time would be. But what I would say, and there's a lot of people going, you know, he's going to have to retire and all that kind of stuff, like with the significance of the injury, and how bad it was. It, it's not uncommon for these kind of things to require, you know, longer to recover from purely because the rehab process can be a lot slower uh, because of the significant damage that you're trying to overcome. So it's certainly not something where we're screaming, oh, he's going to retire. I still expect him, you know, back sometime this year. It's just, look, I know, you know, you probably like to get me on here to sound smart and say, yeah, he's probably going to be back around 10 to 12 or whatever. But pretty much the way that I've put it is he could be back in – 
round four to six. He could be back in round 20 to 24. You really just don't know. It's it's going to be a bit of a to and fro. Um, you know, he could be going really, really well and get to a point where he's starting to do change of direction and stuff like that and integrate back into team training and then have a setback, you know, and it gets sore again. And then he's got to backtrack for a month and settle it down and then go back again. Or he could just breeze through it, you know, now that he's been over to the US and sprinkled the magic potion on it from the guy over there, um, you know, it could all all be really, really good. And he could be back, you know, within that first four to six weeks. But I'm I'm sort of more thinking that mid, mid, like, you know, round 10-ish to round 20-ish would be my gut feel. Um, But, yeah, that's – it really is like, you know, me saying that is probably as accurate as some punter down at the pub saying, I reckon he's going to be back in, you know, round eight. Like, you know, it it is a bit of a – it's a very wide range, this one. Yeah. So what you're saying is you're pretty sure – it's going to be like at least round 10. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah, like that's, that's what, as I said, that's what my gut's saying. Like I, I just think at this point, I think you like, you know, we're talking about fantasy and, you know, like fantasy analysis and stuff like that. It's, he's just not someone you consider at all um, from a classic standpoint. Um, if you're a drafter, I've still sort of said in my like my personal drafting, I would still draft him early, sort of in the first two to three rounds, purely because I would back myself in a position like fullback, which is pretty deep with options to get someone decent enough late to sort of get me through the first half of the season. And then I can get, uh, you know, uh, like the fullback playing from the Melbourne Storm, whether it's Pappenhausen, you know, or you know, Remus Smith or whoever wants to go back there is still valuable. Um, even if it's only an 80 to 90% version of Pappenhausen starting out, he's still going to be valuable. So I, I still think from a drafting perspective, if I was in the draft, I would still draft him early, but I can completely understand people going, well, no, he's not going to be back. We don't know when he's going to be back. So I'm just going to leave him. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're currently doing a draft right now and, um, Pappenhausen went 35 overall, so that's a yeah. you know, that round three. But it, I mean, the difference between fantasy and super coach is fantasy is less heavily weighted on attacking stats. Yeah. Uh, it's probably more balanced in terms of base and attack. So yeah. you know he'd be less valuable in fantasy than he would be in super coach. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I reckon around that uh, range. That right. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually looking. The reason why I'm asking is I'm pretty interested in Nick Meany, assuming he's going to be the fullback and the goal kicker for the Storm for oh, the foreseeable yeah. future. So, I think he's you know, a good he, buy to start with for sure. Yeah, so Meany's one that I'm really interesting. Now, um, I'm. I think we might just cover off on on the hammer, uh, which is probably the least appropriate nickname in history uh, for <laughs> Hammer. So, uh, Cindersmosis. He's had a couple of those sort of Cindersmosis. Is, is he just running out of his ankle or you know, what's yeah. to go there? He, thankfully, they've been on opposite sides. So he's, okay. he's done it one on both sides. So there's not really too many, you know, concerns moving forward. The guys come back from the syndesmosis injuries really well, particularly one that's effectively suffered over the offseason. So, yeah, I'm not really – I'm actually more concerned with him from uh, – he suffered a PCL tear last year, which can leave yep. guys, you know, a little bit – um, like it leaves the knee a little bit unstable um, moving mm-hmm. forward because you can play without a PCL. Guys like Billy Slater, GI, you know, all those kind of guys did play without PCLs at different points in their career in terms of suffered and then just played out the rest of their career without it. 
Um, GI was on record as saying after his PCL injury, it really, really affected him more than anything, more than his ACL injury, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I'm more concerned from him from a PCL standpoint than a syndesmosis standpoint. Um, yeah, look, I, I think he'll still, you know, he's still probably pretty cheap once again in fantasy, I assume. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah, I, like with him, I think you're more looking at, well, he's playing fullback for the Dolphins. How much attacking, you know, upside really is there? He's not a big base guy. He doesn't like to take runs. So, yeah, I, like it's it's one that even from my perspective, I'd be a bit 50-50 on going him. But, yeah, not really from an injury standpoint. Okay. Ryan, just one thing on, on Hammer. Sorry, Mark. Um, yeah. Would you say that the PCL is just, for someone like Hamiso who's who's – kind of relies on his pace would you say that it's kind of the acceleration um that's that would be affected by that kind of injury yeah acceleration and explosiveness in that change of direction so you know stopping starting changing that direction off that knee um they're the two components and they're two parts of his game that are so important the straight absolutely probably wouldn't be you know, as major, like he'd probably still run a hundred meters in a relatively similar time pre and post, but it's more, you know, how often, well, a, how often do you get into that position in a game of footy and B, how often is he going to get into that position as the fullback for the Redcliffe Dolphins? Like he's probably going to be chasing guys more than um, running through himself. So what, what I'm, I'm hearing a lot of Dolphins negativity. I thought yes. you were a Dolphins fan. Yeah, I am. I, of course I am. Yeah, I'll be I'll be there game one. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> we all see their team list, right? Like, there's nothing you have to wrong. set your expectations low like a, like a Warriors fan. Nothing wrong with being realistic about their about – their, I'd say the same about uh, I, I don't think the Warriors are going to do all that well this year. I don't think the Knights will do all that well this year. So there's, you know, there's certain teams that you just sort of look at and you go, well, you know, I think the, with the Dolphins, I think because they're new and, and, and all that kind of thing, there's, there might be a bit of shine to some people with some cheaper guys. But, yeah, I just think like falling into that trap might uh, might not be the best move. I, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised this year, mate. I hope so. I, Let's hope so. R- Ryan's got a bet on him to make the eight. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he's on it. He doesn't even care about the Dolphins, mate. He, tell him, tell him, tell him, he's going to have them up. Tell him if he wants good odds just to deposit it into my bank account and I'll take care of the money. <laughs> <laughs> mate, we made a profit in the punt club last year, I'll have you know. <laughs> It wasn't so, a big profit. I think it was you know, 15, cent, 15 cents for every 20 bucks or something like that profit, but we made one. Um, mate, going on to the hamstring patrol, uh, obviously there's a number of guys here. Uh, Jaden Sullivan, the aforementioned uh, hamstring concerns. I see they were shopping for Brody Croft and, and looking for Jack Bird to play in the halves. So obviously that's not a huge amount of faith there. Um, but the other guys all are actually pretty fantasy relevant either for themselves or their replacements. Um, starting at the bottom, Kurt Capewell, he seems to be missing from Broncos training and has been for, you know, a week or two. And, you know, they've got Willison and, and Pierre Cura and these guys training out on that left edge. Have you seen anything on Capewell? 
Yeah, apparently it's only minor. Um, well, that's the indication from the club anyway. So I'd say they're just, you know, managing him heading into the season. They know the re-injury risk of hamstring strain. So he still has an increased risk of hamstring injury over the, like, first probably two to four weeks of the season for sure. Uh, but I'd be shocked if he does. He isn't there for round one because I, I, I'd be pretty certain they're, they're just managing him well um, in this period so that he's he's right for the start of uh, start of the season. Yeah. Um, now, see, uh, Rob, tell me, how did Anthony Milford make it onto this list? Uh, I was just reading through the physio's profiles and saw that he'd had f- he had four in one season in 2020. And I just wanted to get like a, a read on what what your likelihood of, of him re-injuring that hamstring is and whether you're concerned about his performance at all in 2023. Yeah, so the like there's kind of blocks for hamstring injuries. So there's con- the first two weeks is like the highest. Like there's a big um, like over ten percent re-injury risk in that time, and it drops down under four percent for around four months um, post, and then it drops down again. It, it doesn't drop much in major hamstring injuries. Minor hamstring injuries, it drops almost, you know, like almost to zero. Um, so after sort of that first four-month period with minor hamstring injuries, you can kind of be like, okay, they're, they're pretty good. Major hamstring injuries, it can hang around for about 18 months. Um, now, none of his were major, but there was four in a season. So that kind of it almost like, yeah, four minor or four minor to moderate kind of counts as a major in our books. Um, So, look, the increased risk probably is only really significant for 18 months. So I'd say he's out of that range now, but he still is more likely than, you know, the guy standing next to him on the field who has had no hamstring injury history. Uh, Milford is still more likely to suffer a hamstring injury moving forward, but once again, not something that I'm majorly you know, baking into his um, fantasy value this season. Okay, so all I heard there was Anthony Milford Dally M season. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Wayne loves him, so, you know, what more yeah. What more can he need? Yeah, there's, there's never been a bigger roller coaster to ride for fantasy, that's for sure. Surely he um, does long. Katoa's got to be in. Oh, he looks a uh, jet, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, if the the Dolphins are like six and two going into you know the bye, then yeah, it'd well. be highly unlikely they're going to change change the team. So the only way they're uh, six and two is if Milford goes down and Katoa starts. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. Uh, all right. Now the last two guys we need to speak here. Obviously, Turbo, you've spoken at at length on your podcast, and I don't want to go. Uh, into that in great detail again because we're probably tired of talking about it. I just want to hear a confidence level, scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Turbo is going to make it through a season this year? Uh, I'd say probably a 7. Like, yeah, okay. like, like if he gets through the first month, then I'm really confident. Um, it's that once again, like we talk about with hamstring injuries, it's that first that first sort of two to four weeks after a return that you're really concerned about. So I think Turbo is a prime person who you should start with rather than look to bring in because you you start with him if he injures it, then you've only you're only using one trade to get rid of him. Whereas, you know, mm. if you don't start with him and he kills it and you're like scrambling to get him in, you get him in and then he suffers an injury, you've kind of blown two trades and he's missed out on the points as well. 
So I, I think even though there is a hamstring injury risk there, I think you you just with his upside, I think you'd be silly not to start with him and considering that it only costs you one trade then if he does suffer an injury. So yeah, he is an increased injury risk and purely because, I, and I guess the one point I want to make is that it's his hamstring that we're concerned with. All the other stuff is not relevant and that's probably what I bang on about on my pods and whenever I talk about it is people kind of bake you know a shoulder injury or a knee MCL tear or you know a pec tear and stuff and they say oh look you know see he's really injury prone and blah blah blah. and all those things are just footy injuries you know they happen to anyone um, you know anyone can cop a blow like that and, and, and have those injuries happen it's more the hamstring injuries that we're concerned with and he definitely does have an increased risk of that moving forward yeah, and I mean, mate, I actually want to take a time to reflect back on something that you said on our podcast last year. You probably don't remember. Uh, this is before you were a big podcast star. Um, as we asked you about the injury prone tag, specifically as it related to one player, uh, which was Sean Johnson, uh, who made it through all but one game last year. I know. I was so happy for SJ last year because I'm sure I would have said, um, you know, at the time that I just love SJ. Um, so yeah, super, super stoked for him. Like he, like the likes of him and Matt Moylan, you know, they're, they're like your success stories, right? Like, you know, you've got all these people coming out saying Turbo's going to need to retire and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, the, he, the Turbo's had nothing compared to the likes of those guys. And I think they both between them missed out on, yeah, I think they missed out on one game each last season. Now, you know, whether their performance was, you know, all that good is, is probably for somebody else to discuss. But, yeah, so, like, you can absolutely get to a point where you get over those injury proneness um, kind of things. I, I still think that Johnson, considering his history, even though he had a good season last season, he's not somebody who I would say is um, not prone to lower limb muscle strains moving forward uh, purely because of his history and his age. But, it, it the, you know, the, it's a really, really good example for those who, who kind of are happy to cry out that, you know, these players like Turbo and, and, and Kalen Ponger and those kind of things are injury prone. Um, it is something that can be gotten past. Well, I mean, you just have to look at guys who were injury prone uh, until they weren't. And, I mean, there's there's a few candidates on that list. Uh, <laughs> you know, one I'm of, of um, Adam Reynolds as one. He's got to be the, like, leads the league in almost going off for injuries, right? <laughs> and then actually playing through and actually being excellent. So, Yeah. Well, I think there was one point there I had a look and he'd only missed, like, five games in four years or something like that. And everyone was banging on about how he was always injured. But... You know, I don't. I don't really see that. Um, I'm hoping Bradman Best becomes the next one of the players on those that list of guys who were injury prone until they weren't. Um, I think he's a great. I think he's a great buy. I'm I'm a big draft guy, so I've I've had mm-hmm. to kind of you know to fit my audience. I've had to talk about classic a lot recently, but I'm a big draft guy, and Bradman is someone who I am smashing in drafts just because I think everyone's so off him because of his injuries. And once again, his injuries are kind of that footy injury kind of thing where it's like, you know, contact, you know, dislocated his elbow. Like, you know, if if someone is trying to tell me they can predict a guy dislocating their elbow in a tackle like that, then – they're absolutely off their head because it's just, you know, one of those things that can happen. So I think his value is the lowest it ever could be because people are just so off him. And yeah, I think 
you know, he's he's just as likely as anyone to get through a season without an injury. So he's a good good little buy. Yeah, great. Yeah, one guy we I've actually just realised that we've we've missed a guy off our list, but we'll finish our list and then we'll we'll see if we can circle back to him at the end. I was thinking about it. we actually missed one of the hamstring injuries though, which is Ruben Cotter. Oh, yeah. uh, so he obviously had that hamstring injury. Uh, I'm sure you were as shocked as I was to see him play like 75 minutes in Origin and then try to back up two days later and get a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was very surprising for you, oh, especially when they it came out that he had a hamstring niggle during the week at training. And they still try to run him out there. I was just like, holy crap, like what is happening here? So mm. he's a big smash for me. He's one of my buys of the season, I think. Um, you know, he's a guy, I think, who, I, once again, I haven't looked at the fantasy stats specifically, but he's very base stat heavy, right? And I know yeah, that extremely. Out- you know, coming back from his injury last year, it was a tendon injury. They took their time with him because of that. They were, you know, they were locked into finals, so they didn't need to rush him back. And so it definitely not only did he was coming back off a Liz Frank injury to start the season, so he's a little bit slow into the season. Then he had the hamstring injury that brought him down. So I think that purple patch in the middle of the season is kind of his, I reckon that's almost his floor. Um I think, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Cotter this year. I think he's just going to be even better than he was last season. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that. There's also he had a couple of ACL injuries when he was sort of just getting started as well. And, um, uh, yeah, he's he's just apparently he's an absolute monster. Like, he doesn't look that big on the TV. But, yeah, one of, one of the boys is, uh, <laughs> has moved in next door. And, um, yeah, apparently he's a lot bigger than he looks as well. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's the mullet. It's the mullet, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of the only, like, you know, like most players, they look like they're smaller than what they are. And on the TV, you see them in real life and they're massive. Um, the guy who's the only one I've ever seen that looks smaller in real life is Davida Pangai. I, um, I don't know what happened. I saw him at the uh, at a, a bar at Chermside and he was way smaller than what he looks. So, yeah, go figure. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he's an interesting one. What what what's your take? I know he's not on our list, but what's your take on his uh, physique impacting his output this year, Brian? Oh, mate, I think he'll uh, look. He's probably one who I think it's definitely much more off-field stuff <laughs> that that yep. influences influences his fantasy value. It's more down to his headspace, how much he wants mm. to, you know, follow a game plan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's someone who I think has all the potential in the world, but just needs to get it right upstairs. Yeah, the ten centimeters between the ears is the only thing lying between him yeah, and greatness. Hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Speaking of uh, players with mental obstacles, uh, you know, this is a great transition here. Um, I want to ask you what your thoughts are around Chance Nickel Cookstar. Mm. So. Um, from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, I, I did a, a deep dive on him. So he's very cheap. So he's the same price as Hammer and Charlie Staines and a couple of other guys. So obviously in the past, so 2019 average of 38 points, which is pretty good in our game. It's a lot, you know, the scoring is probably yeah. 10 points less than yeah. Supercoach. So 38 in 2019, 40.5 in 2020, 37 in 2021, and then all the way down to 30.8 in 2022 in games that he played the full 80 minutes, uh, even though he scored more tries uh, in 2022 as a percentage than 2021, his, his scoring dropped by six. Um, so I had a big 
sort of look at him and you can sort of really see the difference before and after he had that breakthrough the middle of the year where Savage took over. So if you look at his first four games of 2022, um, he only made one tackle bust in four games, uh, even though he got two tries in the first three matches. But so I, I think I worked it out. There was one tackle bust every 120 minutes or something like that. Um, but then after he came back, he was averaging one tackle bust every 18 minutes. And then the average run meters uh, went from, you know, extrapolated out to 140 per game to about 180 per game. Um, do you think that his, you know, neck uh, complaint that he would have had the year before, I guess I'm calling it a complaint, it was probably a serious injury. Mm. Um, do you think that that might have had an impact on his willingness to run back as hard? And, you know, coming off the rehab from the hamstring, do you think maybe he, you know, got over that and, and that would have led to the output and performance? Yeah, those neck neck disc injuries are significant ones that require, you know, he needed surgery, needed a long recovery. They're really nasty. Um, you know, you've got guys like Chris McQueen, uh, you know, like Chris McQueen was playing Origin uh, level before he you know, needed his surgery, had his surgery and like, you know, you just didn't really see anything from him, you know, again, uh, really like it. And that's probably one of the more worst case ones. Uh, Like there are guys who've come back relatively successful from them, but it's not uncommon at all to have guys sort of be quite hesitant because your neck is, you know, it's, it's one of the most vulnerable, um, you know, places in the body when you're out there playing footy, uh, injury to the neck, you know, can be really, really significant. Every hit up that you take, every tackle that you make, you've got that whiplash effect through your neck. So yeah, it's definitely something that could, there's obviously been no confirmation from the club, not that you'd often hear that, but yeah, it's definitely something that I'm baking into his, uh, cost of this year. I think if he starts to the Warriors once again, I just think he's a smash. I think you get him in um, because of what he potentially did in the past. Um, and he could, you know, now, like most major injuries, the further you get away from them, uh, the more likely that player is to get back to their back to their best. So, yeah, I'd be bringing him in. Yeah, so the the worry that he ends up being the next Chris McQueen and actually – uh, just is never the same player ever again. Is that is that part of the consideration, or you you don't think that's likely? Oh yeah, for sure. But like one, yeah, once again, like Chris McQueen's probably the worst of the worst, right? Like you, well, not the worst of the worst because you can have a neck injury and not play ever again, right? So like, not the worst of the yeah. worst. But in terms of players who continue and talking about performance, um, yeah, like it, it's a possibility, but it is a it's a small possibility. I think if we were talking about a chance nickel clock ta- the clock star who was mid range priced, then we'd be having a different conversation. But when he's priced the way that he is, I just don't think there's much downside at that price. Yep. Cool. Love it. Um, now, uh, can you explain the difference between what Daniel Saifidi's injury was last year that he played through, which is the TBL f- Tibial plateau fracture, uh, which sounds like a foot injury, um, and Jackson Hastings. Do you, is were they the same injury or was that different? So the one Saifidi had is up at the top of the tibia or the shin bone, um, so near the knee. Whereas Hastings, are you talking about the one that Hastings suffered in the Carrigan tackle? Is that right? 
Um, yeah, well, it was it was in the last game before he sort of, you know, he had a week off and then ended up at lock. Um, but he sort of played through it. Um, but he was still rehabbing it come, you know, he's still we talked in the James Graham podcast that I'm halfway through listening to, he was talking about that he's rehabbing it this preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So effectively Hastings had two injuries. He had a foot injury, like that was like a nerve injury that he was playing through for the entire season. And then mm-hmm. Hastings had that really nasty sort of injury that he suffered in that Pat Carrigan hip drop tackle um, that resulted in like a fracture of his lower leg. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking about the first one. Sorry, the foot injury. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Saifidi one's up near the knee. um, Right. Whereas the the Hastings one's down in the foot. Um, So it's similar in terms of how they'd affect you um, because you'd be playing, you know, like your knee and your foot both have significant force through them. So, yeah, playing through it would, uh, result in a diminished performance. So I think both of those guys represent value going into this season because it's conceivable that they played through some stuff um, into last season. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, uh, I guess the two the two last guys that we've got on our list here to speak about, so Christian Welch coming back from the Achilles rupture. Is the Achilles injury and the return to play very similar to what we were sort of discussing earlier with the, the middle forwards and the ACLs where, you know, it's more than likely, you know, less about that? Or is this more something that's likely to affect him to start the year? Yeah, it probably affects middle forwards a little bit more purely because Achilles is more for that push-off. Um, so for mm. forwards, it's about, you know, like getting that speed going into the line, both into contact and also like pushing like post-contact meters and stuff like that. So it's not going to affect his ability to rack up hit-ups or rack up tackles, but it's more like how effective those, you know, runs are. Um, so it's not something like, it, like you know, a Sean Johnson when he was coming back from it, that was almost a complete like don't touch him because he requires so much, like because so much of his game is based on, you know, those attacking stats and line breaks and, you know, those kind of things. So with Welsh, like I still think he's going to be solid, uh, but I, I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, an Austra- like he was an Australian-level prop before that. I don't know whether he'll be straight back there to start the season. I think by the end of the season you could see that guy again, but I think to start off with coming back from such a significant injury it is going to take a little bit of time. No worries. Just in time to give uh, New South Wales a beating for State of Origin maybe. Uh, last one on the list here, uh, Rob, your favourite player, Caelan Ponga. I don't know if that's actually, I'm assuming it's not your favourite player. Specifically, I'm interested in the move from fullback to 5'8", being less dangerous, or why is it safer to be to be there? Uh, uh, um, is it something to do with the type of tackles you're making or...? To be honest with you, mate, like when I wrote that up, it's all based um, purely on... Uh, stats. So I have the NRL injury stats for about the last four or five seasons, um, Mm -hmm. specifically about, you know, um, like position by position, you know, um, injury rates and stuff. And and 5.8s, for whatever reason, do have the lowest. I think it's purely because those 5.8s are probably, A, 
not making a heap of tackles um, and B, they're not making a, 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 a lot of hit-ups either. You know, a lot of times a 5'8 is a distributor, you know, giving the ball off. So they're not involved in as many collisions in a game as, as other players are. Um, even like from a fullback perspective, I think, you know, because a lot of fullbacks will take 15 to 20 runs a game, like they're your times when you, you're often going to suffer an injury, particularly from a concussion perspective. Um, look, mm. like I think my take here with the changing of positions and stuff like that, because look, he is going to need to make more tackles and tacklers are more likely to suffer a concussion than a fullback. So it's kind of like, well, it's statistically the safest position on the field, but also he's going to have to make more tackles than he was before. So it kind of probably evens out a little bit, but it's all semantics to be honest. Like it doesn't, he could be playing center wing fullback hooker, whatever. The most relevant thing here is he suffered three concussions last season and he also has five concussions at least over his career. That's what tells you everything you need to know about his injury risk moving into this season. He could he could be anywhere on the field, and it wouldn't really change that risk all that much. So Ponga, once again, talking super coach, he is very cheap. Um, so I'm not sure is he is he similar in fantasy. Yeah, he's kind of in the Reese Walsh price bracket. Yeah, right. So, yeah, look, like, you know, obviously a discount there, but he's just someone, I mean, you could justify my old Tommy Turbo theory of, you know, a Tommy Turbo, you only have to waste one trade if he if he's out. I just think the upside is lower in a Ponga than it is in a Turbo. Um, and I think that he is more at more injury risk than Turbo is moving forward. Concussions are the thing that I put most stock into when it comes to being fearful of a player moving forward with their re-injury risk purely because concussions are so unpredictable. So much of what we've talked about on this podcast has been, you know, fairly predictable recovery times, re-injury rates, all that kind of stuff. Concussion is just very, very unpredictable. I don't like unpredictability when talking about injuries. Um, so, yeah, he's not someone like I, I have toot and froed with it purely because he's so cheap. But, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't feel great about it purely because that concussion risk won't diminish as the season goes on. Whereas with like a, with a turbo that, 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 re-injury risk will diminish after that first month. Whereas with Ponga, you know, that that risk of concussion there, it's not only a risk of concussion, if he suffers another concussion, he's three times more likely than another player to recover to require like several weeks recovery. So it just, yeah, it, it just spells not um, not ideal in terms of re-injury risk. I think if he plays 25 games in a season, he's obviously going to be value because he, you know, he hasn't um, been priced at that higher price that he usually would be. But my concern is more him getting through those 25 games rather than how he will perform in those games. Yeah, right. Is is there a specific? And I know we're we're sort of you know nearing you know reaching the the end of the time that we we've got available. Is there a specific sort of marker that you would use for when it, when you would become concerned about a player's concussion history? No, so that, that, like that's I think the biggest thing. And once again, I talk about the unpredictability. There's not like a certain number of concussions that you're like, oh well, there's his four concussion. Of I'm really concerned about it. I think it more comes down to probably the most concerning thing is how they recover from a concussion. So if you have a player who suffered five concussions, but they've all been like symptom free relatively quickly, able to return relatively quickly, then that's probably, you know, not 
you know, not as bad as someone who has five concussions and every single one is required four weeks off because they've had, you know, recurring dizziness, you know, uh, light sensitivity, all that kind of stuff. And the other thing is close together concussions because what we're learning about it is the brain takes upwards of a month, even in what we would describe as simple concussions to completely recover. And, and Pong are having three in six weeks last season, like that's three significant trauma events to his brain in a short period of time. That's a thing. So it's, it, it's less, I think for the, you know, the average punter and even for myself, it's not something you can look at and go, oh, well, X number of concussions, now I'm concerned. It's more the whole picture, um, which you've got to consider. And hopefully that's something I provide with my Patreon stuff is that whole picture and injury history and all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, but unfortunately with concussions, they're just a bit more unpredictable. Yeah, nah, fair enough, mate. Well, thank, thank you very much for your, uh, thank you very much for your insight today. Uh, it's it seems like there was less uh, fun injuries to talk about than there was last year, but maybe that's just you know because we're so we spend so much time you know analyzing them now that we you know we sort of know what what's up. But uh, for anyone who's interested in hearing more uh, of you sort of your podcast, your podcast is called the Magic Sponge. Yeah, Magic Sponge podcast. It comes out um, Sunday night, Monday morning, every week during the season. We'll try and do a few during the off-season as well. So, yeah, jump on, give us a look. Um, yeah, hopefully it's at least a little bit entertaining and not too, you know, drawly with the information. But, uh, yeah, we try and keep it fun a bit like you guys, as you were saying, you know, keep it, you know, some information, some fun and, and stuff like that. And we enjoy it. It's with a mate who's a physio. So we just enjoy sitting down and talking injuries and footy on a Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, if you want um, more information than you got here, uh, patreon.com slash NRL physio, injury profiles, casualty ward. I'm actually doing up a list at the moment of the 20 um, players uh, who have the most extensive concussion you know, I guess, history slash risk moving into the season. So that'll come out sometime this week which will be on Patreon. Great. And there's some really fantasy relevant guys on that list I'm led to understand, but I won't give any spoilers out. You'll just have to go and sign up for Patreon once that is all, uh, well, just do it now. Just stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, go and sign up for Patreon, and then come back and finish off listening to the pod. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us, Brian, Rob. You've done, you know, fantastic as always. Uh, And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time. No worries, guys. Talk to you next year.